Um, today I'm delighted to be joined by an old teammate of mine to uh, reminisce on a few of the few of the glory days and a, a, few, a few stories from uh, from his career. Uh, a very very popular member of the the changing room and also hugely popular with with the fans. I've got uh, Ian Blackwell here today. How are you, Blackie? Afternoon, Keith. I'm very well, thank you very much. Thanks for having me on. That's all right, no problem. How's, how's lockdown treating you? <laughs> like everybody else, you keep walking past the fridge 25 times an hour, and uh, yeah. We're all trying to try not to dive in every two minutes, but no, it's it's not been too bad to be fair. You've always been you've always been keen on the fridge, though, Blacko. It depends which kind of fridge, Keith. <laughs> <laughs> if it's liquid okay, so refreshment, I'm more interested. <laughs> let's get on to the cricket, shall we? <clears throat> Why not? Okay, so you, you, it was. I guess it was quite a big move for you at the time. Around uh, 2000, you came down to join us down here in the West Country. Um, obviously, got runs the year before in a in a national league game. I, I, I remember and. Was that the sort of taster you needed to, to come and join us? Yeah, I think so. Um, it was mainly down to Dermot Reeve. Um, I think I played the, the two National League games against Somerset and did quite well. Um, I think I got 80-something down here. And um, I think Derm was, was fairly impressed with, with what he saw. And I think the return fixture, I think Somerset gave Derby a good hiding. Um, but I, I still managed to get a few runs and, and do okay. So... Um, after that game, he, he gave me a call, um, slightly out of the blue. Um, so I know I was out of contract at the end of that year, um, but I, I hadn't even thought about moving. It was one of those sort of um, conversations that, that took me a bit by surprise. And I, and I guess at, at that stage, it was, it was quite a big move, having sort of lived all your life in Derby. I guess it was a dream to go to, to sign professional terms with, with a club of your sort of native town, if you like. Yeah, of course. I think every junior wants to grow up and play for the home county. And, you know, I was no exception. And to go grow up at Derby and, and play there was, was sort of a, a big tick in the box of my, my career uh, starting off. So, um, and then it, it sort of got more difficult being a spinner um, at Derby because I think Corky was in charge at the time and he, he liked to have uh, green wickets. And it was sort of me just playing away from home and not getting a game at home so I needed more opportunity um, which Dermot sort of promised me down down here. And, and obviously you enjoyed your time down here, you're still living in Taunton now and um, well part of the West Country. Well that's it yeah um, you know I've no plans to, to move anywhere the kids are close by um, lovely part of the world I've always enjoyed coming down here my godparents used, godparents used to live in Paynton um, so we used to come down family holidays every year um, so it's a you know a special part of the the country for me. And I, we spoke to Coxie sort of last week or so, and um, obviously covered the the two thousand and one two thousand and two sort of cup runs, if you like. Obviously, you play a huge part in those as well. Um, Coxie spoke very fondly of the the big matches at Taunton as well. Before we got to Lords and the atmosphere that was created by having packed houses at Taunton. What's what's your sort of memories of those games? Yeah, phenomenal. Um, you know, it was always nice to sort of I guess achieve something in those semi-finals and, and actually put a performance on. Um, I remember getting man of the match in one of the semi-finals, which, you know, that game was just ridiculous against Kent. Um, you know, we scored a score that you would never even dream of, of being knocked off or even posting. Um, and then, you know, to come so close and probably should have lost, you know, with, with sort of five overs to go. And, you know, we managed to, to pluck a victory from the, the jaws of defeat, mainly through the the crowd and, and the sheer pressure of the situation. And, you know, we love, we love playing in front of big crowds and always feels very intimate. And, 
You know, I'd rather be playing for Somerset than against Somerset down at Taunton. So, so that, you know, we were lucky to win most of those games at Taunton as well, which led to the two finals. Obviously, one win, one loss in 2001 and 2002. Still very memorable occasions for, for everyone involved. Yeah, absolutely fantastic. And I think it was testament to the group of players we had at the time. We weren't seen as any great shakes, if you like. And, you know, we we're all sort of missing Marcus to England. And then, you know, some of the big games, he'd, he'd pop back up. And I think it was a quarter final against Worcester. He smashed 140 and sort of got us through that sort of tie as well. And, you know, it, we we're just sort of things slotted into place for those two years and, you know, managed to get to two finals on the trot. And it was, as you say, it was a good team effort, wasn't it? I mean, you look back to it from 1 to 11 or 1 to 13, probably with Marcus and Caddy coming back. Everyone contributed at some stage to, to, to winning really tight games often. Yeah, and I think that's the key sometimes. I think if, you know, sides sort of rely on two players and if they do the bulk of the work and then all of a sudden they don't pitch up in a, an important game, then, you know, the rest of the guys are a little bit cold, a little bit off the pace. Um, that's where I think we dovetail quite nicely as a side. You know, we had five or six really good bowlers, um, a very good top order and a decent engine room. So, you know, we've got ourselves out of some sticky situations and, you know, managed to, to obviously get that cup run going. So that was that was a pretty successful time for us. And then as a as a big hitting left-hander who bowled, bowled some miserly spin, the ECB came up with this new competition, the T20. Um, could they have thought of anything better for you? Uh, it suited my game, shall we say. Um, and it, it, I don't know, I probably underperformed in the tournament as well. Um, you look back and you think how many times I had an opportunity to, you know, just go out and bat for a bit of time before you start hitting the big shots. Um, and I always prefer championship cricket, you know, because you, you go out to bat and you look behind you, there'd be six blokes in the slips and you think, oh, happy days, there's so many gaps. Um, but the T20 was a fascinating format, which... You know, we obviously had a bit of success at the start and, you know, it was all very new to us at the time, which was, was exciting. So the, the club replayed, replayed the finals day of 2005, which was obviously very successful. You played a big part in both the semi-final and the final. Great memories. Yeah, they were. Um, you know, the semi-final in particular, I remember us being dead, dead and buried. I think we only got 140 or something against Leicester and they were cruising at 80 for one or something. Um, and we would sort of given up hope, really. Um, and then, you know, due to a couple of um, mishaps from the Leicester players, one, I think, running down the pitch and, you know, getting stumped, which sort of, I think it was Darren Maddy, just sort of started a, a bit of the rot. Um, and we just got on a roll and then we started to believe. And, you know, by the end, I think the game was slightly different then because chasing a runner ball or just over a runner ball, you know, you'd be dead and buried now. But I think back then it was a bit more of a challenge. And, uh, yeah, we managed to sneak through to the final. I think you've been a bit modest. I think, didn't you spin it past Darren Maddy when he came down like that? I think it hit Haribo or something. One of, one of Trezor's Haribos he put on a length. But, uh, you know, it's a, a nice wicket for me to bowl on at the Oval. It always has been. You get that bit of bounce and um, obviously it's very dry down there. So the odd one, you know, managed to get off the straight. And what, what about the final against the uh, star-studded Lancashire side? Extraordinary start with Mal Loy sweeping caddy twice in the first over. To <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, I think Jono dropped a, a sitter and then caught him at the, the last ball of the same over. So it was r remarkable scenes. And I think that was reduced a little bit by about four overs, I believe. 
Um, and that probably suited us more than it suited Lancashire. Um, and it just, everything just seemed to go our way. Um, an amazing run out from Wes to run out to Andrew Simons. And, you know, just things happened and it was hard to, to pinpoint why, but that's cricket. And, you know, we, we obviously got over the line. And I think we were lucky at the time and we had some great overseas players around, around the time that we played together, you know, starting from Coxie, Cameron White, right the way through to um, Ricky Ponting and Graham Smith. Obviously, Graham led, led us to the 2005 victory, but he was, he was an extraordinary character and a great man in the dressing room. I, I don't think I've ever played with somebody so young, so assured, spoke ridiculously well uh, in team meetings, before a game, in a huddle. When he spoke, everyone, you know, generally was quiet and listened to what he said. He never minced his words. It was to the point, short, sharp, but it, it was just phenomenal. Um, and probably without the doubt, him and Ricky Ponting were the, the two um, best captains that sort of, you know, I've ever experienced speak and, and lead the side. I mean, what about Graham in the final? I mean, it was almost, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but my memory seems to, that it was almost at halfway when we were chasing, I don't know, 110, 120, I think it was, in a reduced game. Yeah. He almost sort of said, all right, lads, leave this to me, I'll sort this, didn't he, at half-time? Yeah, 100%. He just said, we've got this, you don't have to panic. Um, and for him to, I think he sort of, horribly smashed his way to, to 50 or 60 with his uh, average technique that he had. But, geez, he could hit a ball. And, you know, the confidence that he then gave everyone else, the way he spoke and just sort of said, we've got this, don't panic. And, you know, as it turned out, we, we did have it. And an extraordinary six of Freddie over Long Island, I can remember, towards the end of the game, which just sort of clinched, clinched it and started scenes of, uh, of uh, mass excitement. It did, and I, that was the shot I was sort of uh, thinking about. It was just a horrible swipe, and you know, it, it connected, and it, it seemed just to keep travelling, and probably only went about fifteen feet off the floor. Um, but that's that's the way he played. He he said he wanted to come over and try and hit sixes and practice, and you know, he came and did that. Luckily for us, he did. Yeah, you mentioned mentioned you preferred the championship cricket, or you know, you you liked the setup of a of a, of a championship game. You made some pretty major contributions to both with the bat and the ball. If we start with, start with the bat, I guess the, the double hundred in, in, in a session against Derby was particularly special for you? Uh, yeah, slightly surreal. I've got the scorecard in the toilet, would you believe? So every time I, I go in, the in there, it's in the, that's, that's my little shrine, you know. Um, I've got a few things in there. And, um, you know, I always sort of look at it and I, I just smile to myself. I just look at it and think, what a ridiculous scorecard. So I, I think I went in at 30 for four. Um, and I think we were struggling at about lunch on about 110 or something for seven. Um, and I remember going in at 43, not out. And then I know a lot of the members were, were chuntering at us on the way off. You know, the usual, you're rubbish, get off, you know, that sort of stuff. Um, and a lot went into town um, and thought, that, you know, we've had enough of this. We've seen it week in, week out for the last six months and um, came back at tea to a, a slightly different scoreboard um, and everything you know I sort of hit went went for four or six and um, yeah it, it was just surreal. And then you put on 150 plus with Nixon McLean at the end? I remember being on 123 when he came in uh, so I doubled my score and we put on 160 I think um, and he was dropped first ball at slip 
Uh, Corky dropped him, uh, went for went for four, and I was like, "Oh, I better get on with it here." Uh, and he managed to get thirty nine, I think it was, um, before obviously being the last man out. So that would have been particularly special if it, you'd seen the ball disappearing through Corky's hands as well at Slim. <laughs> as it happened, I was yeah, um, but yeah, I mean, it, it could have been so different. You know, we were only on you know two hundred and twenty or something. Uh, 240 and you know I would have only got 123 so um, it just shows that if somebody can stick around with with a batter that's in you know things can happen. Excellent excellent uh, I mean it was an extraordinary afternoon I can remember tra- I think I was traveling back from the second team game and we sort of switched on the tea time score and it I didn't quite believe it to be honest 200, I think it was 204 in a session you got individually which most people would accept as a team in, in, in perhaps two sessions. It was just a good afternoon's work, that, Keith. Um, you know, I don't think I'd ever... Well, I didn't do anything remotely close to that. Um, and I think we scored something like 310 in the session between lunch and tea. Um, they, wouldn't have had five so, or six they wouldn't have had five or six slips by the yeah. end of that. Yeah, five or six at Cow Corner. Um, but, in yeah, it was in the graveyard. Yeah, it was a, a shorter boundary, shall we say, than it is now. But... Um, yeah, it was a decent wicket to bat on, and you know I couldn't believe the the sort of you know the procession of wickets that were were falling. So, so what about the um, the bowling side of it for at Taunton? Obviously, um, it was probably more of a holding role you had to do. You, you got through an awful lot of overs for us for an for a number of years, tying up an end, often bowling a little bit of over over the wicket. Um, you know, an awful lot of hard work went into that. Yeah, I'd prefer to bowl nowadays. I think at Taunton. Um, I was going to come on to that in a minute. I mean, what, uh, sorry, what? yeah, I'll preempt that. But no, <laughs> exactly that. My my role was tie and end up, let the seamers rotate. You know, from the old pavilion end, um, and then if I can sort of go at one, two, and over, which is hard enough on that wicket there, it, it did nothing. It was like bowling on glass. Um, you know, and the opposition they used to come and and you know set the stall out and make big scores, and you know we call rego 140 overs and we regularly did that you know in the field and you just pray to win the toss and have a bat um and you just think might you know i'm gonna have to bowl 40 overs and innings here so you you've obviously mentioned the fact that the wickets have changed a little bit over the last few years obviously when matty maynard came up came along favored the two spinners options and you know it's proved pretty uh, successful yeah, I think county cricket's changed in a in a sense that it's more results orientated now. There's there's decent money on offer for the counties, and you know it is generally a, a try and win at all cost mentality. And you know since Frosty had obviously gone, he was not being told what wicket to produce. That's for sure. Um, and now that you know you've you've got results pitchers, rightly or wrongly, sometimes in in two days, which obviously you know dupes the members out of out of seeing some some good cricket. Um, so I think there needs to be a, a fine balance and you know it's obviously heard on the wrong side of that balance over the last few years for my, my liking. But it's, it's definitely a, a case for sort of playing to your strengths and obviously with Don Best and Jack Leach at the moment it's they're two international bowlers playing, playing in the county side so um, you've got to utilise that as best you can. Yeah I'd, I'd agree with that on the fact that they've actually got one of the best seam attacks in the country as well so um I don't think it matters whether it's, you know, green or, or spin. You know, they look to win games of cricket and, you know, you you much rather look after your fast bowlers by them only bowling, you know, a fewer amount of overs compared to what the spinners bowl. 
Um, but having, you know, a spinner bowling, taking five wickets in 10 overs is, you know, for me, it's, it's not quite right. Um, but I can understand why they do it. So it's, 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 a, it's an interesting one with, with the seam bowlers as well. I mean, if, if you'd have put someone like Caddy was always very, very special, managed to get something out of a flat tournament wicket. I mean, it's, it, it's difficult for the, for the quick bowlers when there isn't any grass or any, any real pace and carry. It, yeah, phenomenally difficult, especially if you if you haven't got anything extraordinary in your armory. And you know, fortunately for us, Caddick had swing bounce, um, no banter though. Uh, but to be fair, <laughs> he, he, <laughs> said be, <laughs> he's a, a tremendous human being. A um, little bit misunderstood, perhaps, but my he could bowl. I mean, he used to run up and bowl six, seven hundred overs a season, and you kind of think now if he done that you know he'd be having days off galore but bowling on wickets that they play on now yeah no special special what other what other bowlers did you enjoy seeing in our team sheet when uh, when we were some, rocking up to some games uh definitely stefan so i know he, he used to love bowling uphill into the wind because he had no choice um i think Shaw willoughby again was phenomenal you know to have a left armor that hooped it and boy you could swing it he was you know keep the ball shiny for him and he was very happy. Um, very, very similar to similar to Matty Bullbeck a bit slightly earlier in your career down was, with us. Yeah, I was going to mention Bully. I think again, unfortunate what happened to him and the the injury side of his his career. Um, but again, another one that could have sort of had the career that Shaw Willoughby had. Um, and yeah, there's there plenty of bowlers. Richard Johnson came, and he had that sort of zip and bounce off the the wickets here. Um, but I think you know we just had generally all bases covered, which you know, made us a, a pretty formidable team. And, and certainly your, your performances over the years eventually got you uh, international call-ups, which is, is, guess what, everyone everyone strives for. Um, talk us a little bit about 30-odd one-dayers and, and, and finally a test as well towards the end of your England career. I mean, that was pretty special and well-deserved. Yeah, it sort of came about um, via, I think, Ashley Giles had a, a, a real bad hip and ended up having it operated on, had a replacement hip. Um, and it came as a bit of a surprise, really. Um, I, I don't think I was playing particularly well at the time when I got called up, but I know Fred initially had a, an injury uh, pre-ICC Champions Trophy in Sri Lanka. Um, so I basically replaced him, um, which seemed a nice like selection. <laughs> I was going to say like for like, but I can't bowl 90 miles an hour. Um, but I think that because they were going to the subcontinent, they thought an extra spinner in the side would, would obviously give us some extra overs and obviously I, I can wallop a few as well, um, occasionally for England, it not very often. Um, but a, a surreal part of my career really. Um, never felt like I, I think, warranted a position. Um, probably played far too many games. And, but, you know, it was, I never felt part of the side either because I was always on the fringe. I played 32 of those 34 away from home. Uh, on 10 various tours. So um, it was hard to sort of get a foot in the door and, and stay in there, especially when you come home and you don't play in a home series. Um, and then all of a sudden you get picked to go on another uh, tour somewhere. So for me, it was all about county cricket and making sure I was producing the goods and, you know, hopefully being at, at the right place at the right time for a call. Did, did you do 10, 10 overseas tours? Was it, it over the, over I think that, it was, it was about... 10 tours, yeah. Um, and I think the first tour was hectic because I went to the academy, uh, then went to do the VB series in Australia. 
and that was at the time when it was split over uh, before Christmas and after Christmas. Um, and then we went straight from there to uh, South Africa for the World Cup. Um, and obviously we went to the ICC Champions Trophy before uh, the VB Series. So we were away for something like five months and three weeks um, because we couldn't, couldn't have any time to, to come home in between. Um, and that was a baptism, baptism of fire. I played Australia about eight times. Um, well, that, must, that must have been extraordinary, some of those, some of those grounds over there full um, as, as an international. Yeah, uh, 82,000 at uh, the MTG. Um, you know, most of them chanting obscenities at myself going down to Bay 13, which I'll never forget. Um, but I really enjoyed Ronnie Irani doing cartwheels down there and getting the crowd going like uh, Murph Hughes used to do. And it was just, you know, surreal. Absolutely massive ground. Um, and yeah, you're playing against the world-class Australia side. 82,000. Bit different from your, your growing up days in Chesterfield. <laughs> maybe maybe eighty two at Chesterfield, but uh, you know we used to get eight eight thousand two hundred at the county ground, and it seemed you know a hell of a lot more than that, just because of the gener you know the noise they generated, and you know it all seemed so on top of you. And how, yeah, how close uh, that was always the thing, wasn't it? How close they were to the edge of the pitch, and even, yeah, was even some of the even some of those matches we played with. The chief used to sort of cordon off a little bit of the, the pitch for people to sit on so he could squeeze a few bit, more in. Bit of reclaimed land, wasn't there, with a few deck chairs on there. <laughs> and obviously got a test cap as well. I mean, just the one. I mean, is, looking back, is, is, is that something you'd like to have had more of, obviously, than, than just the one test? I think I'd like to have had the opportunity to, you know, showcase what I could do a little better. Um, you know, you, you can never go out there fully confident thinking, you know, you don't know what to expect. And it was in India. Um, and it just so happened the second test that we played, it had been raining. Um, and I think Monty bowled more overs than I did in the first test. Um, so he ended up keeping his place and they brought Liam Plunkett in for me. Um, and then they decided to play Sean Noodle with uh, Monty in the last test. And he did quite well. He got five for, I think. Um, and then I sort of came back from there and had my shoulder operation. So that sort of, you know, put pay to me, really. Um, so disappointed on that front, but, you know, hugely proud that I managed to even get get one cap. And that was India, wasn't it? Sorry, that was in India. Yes, it was, yeah, in Nagpur, yeah. So they, they, who, 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 had, who did they have in their, their side at that stage? I mean, a pretty awesome batting lineup um, around that time. Yeah, Tendulkar, uh, Dravid, Seawag, um, BBS Laxman, uh, Dhoni, I think both the... Uh, Pathan brothers, um, Yuvraj, you know, they they could pick three sides to our one and, you know, they'd give us a good run for the money, especially in home turf. Yeah, look, looking back at that side, that, that wouldn't be the side you'd want to play against, really, as a, as a left-arm spinner at, um, in, in India. No, not ideal. Um, and I do remember uh, Sachin was, was batting pretty nicely um, and Freddie was captain of all people. And uh, he chucked me the ball and he said, come on, try and do something. So I went over the wicket to Tendulkar and I just remember him stepping a yard outside leg stump and just running down and just hitting me over extra cover. And I just looked at Fred and he just started laughing. So that was me. I was just like, well, I've got, nothing. I've got nothing. But I do remember Garrett Jones dropped Raul Dravid uh, off behind. Decent Nick drop and I was devastated. You know, nobody means to drop him, but it would have obviously been, you know, a test victim for me. 
You're starting to sound like Caddy now. Caddy's still got his little black book with all his drop Well, he can talk when he dropped uh, Ian Harvey at uh, Headingley and when he went on to get 250 or whatever he got. And I, I think he was only on about 30 at the time. I didn't think Caddy ever dropped any catches. <laughs> he dropped that one. I can remember that much. So your sort of time, time with us at Somerset sort of came to an end around 2008, I think it was. You'd had a few shoulder issues, as you said, but you managed to get, get a deal up in Durham, went up and played up there, and won a, won a championship up there. Yeah, um, you know, it's not, not what I wanted to happen. Um, obviously, I love Somerset and wanted to, you know, finish the rest of my career down here. Um, but things happen and, you know, they do happen for a reason. So, you know, I went up to Durham. It sort of refreshed um, my mind, if you like. I thought, you know, perhaps I got a bit complacent down here at Somerset and needed maybe just a little kick up the backside. And um, Jeff Cook, I know very well up at Durham, sort of said, uh, you know, we'd love to have you come up and play. So, you know, I went up there for four years and I absolutely loved it. It was just completely different to down here. But, um, yeah, really enjoyable part of the world and went into a slot of myself into a, a star-studded Durham side at the time. Yeah, that's right. I mean, they were obviously a good side at the time with lots of lots of decent seamers particularly. And I guess you fitted into that, that, that space that they were looking for. Yeah, I think they've obviously had Gareth Breeze up there for a while um, and no other spinners really. So for me, it was a case of, you know, slotting in at, at number six. Um, there are quite a few missing to England at the time. Sort of Collie was never really around uh, and Harmy was sort of in and out. So that freed up certainly a middle order position for me. Um, and obviously I, I bowled a lot more than, than Gareth would have done. So, you know, championship cricket, I, I fitted in nicely up there. And, and to, win, to win the championship, obviously Somerset have come so close on, on numerous occasions in the last sort of 15, 20 years as, as such. They've not managed to quite get over the line yet. You went up to Durham and did it, then went on loan to Warwickshire and did it again. Yeah, that was, you know, if Carlsberg did loan deals, that was, was probably uh, the, the best one I could have wished for. Um, you weren't there long, were you? Uh, I play, I was there about nine weeks. So I played four championship matches. Um, and we went to Lord's final and, lost, and well, we tied with Hampshire, but lost on uh, more wickets lost uh, in the CB40 final. Um, but yeah, brilliant time. Jeet uh, Mattel went off back to play for New Zealand. So he was going to be missing for, I think, three championship matches. Um, so Jarlo gave me a ring and, and said, you know, would you want to come and, come and play for us? Because obviously wasn't getting a, a game at Durham because Collie had come back from England and he wanted to bat six and um, that sort of pushed me out the side really. Um, but yeah, loved it. Um, stayed in Broad Street just up uh, up from the ground and uh, yeah, played I think four championship matches and a pretty important part of those as well. So that was good for me. So I guess whilst being disappointed to leave Somerset obviously at that stage to, to go away and have two championship winning sides and that Lord's final over, the, over that four years, it was quite a decent end to, to your career. Yes, uh, I think, you know, the time did come and, you know, it was taking half an hour to get out of bed and put my socks on. And, you know, I wasn't the, the fittest guy, shall we say, anyway. So um, for me to, to call time on my career after a third shoulder operation was, you know, the right time uh, to do so. And, and to obviously follow in, in, you know, what I wanted to do next, which was umpiring. Okay, so let's, let's have, I mean, obviously you've mentioned your fitness there, but standing in the sun for seven, eight hours a day, I guess that's, that takes a bit of fitness as well for your, for your new career as an umpire. 
yeah, a lot of people would be surprised. I mean, you know, standing still is actually quite quite difficult. Um, certainly your feet and your back never really get used to it until about two or three months into the season where you, you obviously do it lots and lots. Um, but yeah, it, it's completely different. And, you know, I love every every minute of umpiring. And, you know, people are a bit surprised that I went into it because, you know, they, they used to know I hated fielding. Um, but, you know, I just say, well, I don't have to chase any balls. Uh, I've got the best view in the house and, you know, you still get to sort of keep within that, that cricketing bubble and uh, chat to the guys that you've obviously played against for a number of years. So, I mean, it's quite a, been quite a Somerset tradition over the years. A huge number of ex-players have gone gone into the to the umpiring world. Mike Burns, who we played a lot, of, lot with at the moment, is doing, is doing pretty well as well. And there, must, there must be like a team environment of the umpires as well, I guess. Yeah, there is. And, you know, for me, I always sort of like chatting to the umpires. I always find myself at square leg or, you know, if I was bowling, I'd sort of always sort of ask them questions and chat to them about, you know, how, how's umpiring life and, and all the rest of it. Because I was umming and ahhing about what to do after cricket. And, you know, I knew I didn't want to coach, but I'd sort of done my level three just as a, you know, a, another string to my bow, if you like. And, um, yeah, they all said it's a, a great career. You should You should take it on. And, um, I tried it when I got left out of the T20 side at Durham and I really enjoyed it. So I just sort of followed through with it. So how, how far can you go with it these days? I mean, there's a number of opportunities, obviously the elite panels and the first first class panels is obviously the, the day-to-day stuff. Is that is that an ambition? Yeah, I mean, I'll go as far as I can. And I think Mike Burns has, has gone pretty far in, you know, such a short space of time. I think he's been sort of five years on the full list now. Um, this is my or would be my first year off probation. We do two years on probation. Um, so it would have been my first full year on the panel. Um, and I've just sort of tried to mirror what Alex Wolf had, had done. Um, because again, another one that retired a similar sort of age to me. Um, and looking at progressing, um, you just need to be accredited by the ECB and then you put forward to the ICC. So basically, it's it's game numbers really. And I need to you know, keep getting decent reports and, you know, get your reputation growing. And you managed to manage to umpire Somerset a couple of times in the past. How, there's obviously still a few that you probably played with, that, uh, sort of, certainly James Hildreth and maybe Trigo and a couple of others that were still playing when, when you were umpiring the game. How, how awkward can that be? <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it is awkward. Um, and I remember, you know, Trigg's coming out to bat in one of the one days and, you know, he calls me donkey and, you know, all sorts of stuff like nicknames that we had for each other or ying, ying and yang. Um, me and him were thick as thieves. And I just remember the first game we did, I think it was a university game. And he, he's just smiling all the way to the crease. And then he just starts laughing when he's taking guard. And I just can't help but sort of laugh back. And But it's it sort of, you know, it's great. Gets the camaraderie uh, still there. And, um, you know, as long as you're professional and, you do your job properly, then it doesn't really matter who's who's at the other end. And I, and I guess with a, with three or four now, or four counties in your in your playing days, I guess you you do stumble across a few that you played with um, at, at various games around the country. Yeah, I think as as I sort of progress and I do another five or ten years umpiring, you know, the amount of players that I'll have played with will will have gone from the game. So that makes it easier umpiring people that you don't know sometimes. Um, but it's also nice to have actually, you know, reconnect with people that you have played against for 15 years. And, you know, they, they have that respect uh, because of what I did as a player. And it makes my job a, a lot easier when, you, when you're trying to keep uh, a game running smoothly. 
very, very much uh, grateful for your time today, Blacko. Um, fantastic reminiscing over your times and our times together at, uh, at various times of your career. And congratulations on a wonderful career with, with us and some of the other counties up, up the road. Now, we wish you all the best for, for your umpiring and, and obviously do Somerset a favour next time uh, you umpire them and we'll be very grateful. But good to see you again, mate, and stay safe. Pleasure. Thanks for having me on, Parsi Lab. Okay, see you soon, mate. See you, mate.